This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Since lockdown began in the UK, 8.6 million people have seen their income fall. Not surprisingly, at the same time, anxiety levels in the UK are the highest they've been since records began in 2011. You might be sat at home uh, watching this and recognise yourself in those statistics. Maybe you've just had a sleepless night worrying about your future, finances, the uncertainty you're facing. No one knows exactly what the long-term economic impact COVID-19 will have on the UK and indeed on the global economy. But we do know that countries are falling into huge debt and individuals are facing cuts in pay or redundancies. Businesses are not able to operate and many are facing financial hardship. And yet alongside this grim reality, we also see all around us acts of incredible generosity. People are providing for neighbours and friends giving to food banks, delivering meals, helping out the elderly or those who are being shielded. We saw the nation give £67 million to children in need and comic relief a couple of weeks ago. People coming together in love, kindness and generosity. And at the forefront of much, not all, of this generosity is the church, gathering and giving and organising and providing Christians being the bearers of hope. And this is exactly where we should be. Because right at the heart of the, church, the Christian church's DNA is generosity. The early church, described here in Acts, gives us the blueprint of what this radical redistribution of resources looks like. Look at Acts 4, beginning at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there was no needy person among them. The early church were able to live out radical generosity selling possessions, giving to those in need, looking after each other, because they knew deeply the generosity of God in Jesus Christ. And if we strip it all down, that's what it's all about. Each one of us is called to be generous because God has been generous to us. 
God's generosity seen through the pages of scripture and demonstrated most profoundly through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul tries to grasp it when he writes in Romans 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and I. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died our death, but then conquered the grave, opening the way for us all to come into relationship with the living God. And so we're called to be generous because God has been generous to us. And God continues to be generous to us. So many of us get to experience the generosity of God in our lives every day, but I wonder how often we notice it. Just think back over the last week or two. Perhaps when you were fed up or frustrated or anxious, maybe the kids were driving you mad or you felt lonely and you cried out and you said to God, God, help me or hear me or or please change this situation. And you experienced peace and you got some hope back and or you experienced forgiveness or you had a specific answer to prayer. That is because God is a generous God. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, when he was sending them out, he said, freely you've received from me, freely give. And that command is still as relevant today as it was to the disciples 2000 years ago. Freely you've received, now freely give. We have a generous God and we are called to be a generous church, not out of guilt, not out of a sense of obligation, not because we want to get brownie points with God. We're called to be generous simply out of our love for and commitment to God who has been so generous to us. For the early church, this looked like people willingly and sacrificially selling their possessions sometimes even land and property like we see here in Acts 4, laying money down at the leader's feet for them to distribute to those who needed it. Now, it didn't mean that everyone sold everything that they had. These first Christians, they still had possessions. And we know this because the church for decades met in people's homes. So they needed homes to meet in. But they gave generously. Because they were all in. They had, if you like, Christ-centred commitment, not personal-centred preferences. Acts 4.32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. They had Christ-centred commitment. And this is so different to how so many of us operate We're so used, aren't we, to living our own individualistic existence where everything functions around my preferences, what I like. Just think about online shopping, which I'm sure we're all doing uh, at the moment. You go into Amazon or uh, into Tesco online or whatever shop you prefer. And that shop knows your preferences, what you will like. And it makes suggestions of what you might like to buy. And you go through and click on the things that you want and then you pay at the checkout. 
and the things you've chosen get delivered to your door. I go onto the BBC News app and I can select what I want fed into my newsfeed. Life is tailor-made to our opinions. What I want, what I like, what I can access, what I can afford. But what we see in how the early church operates in the first few chapters of Acts is that there's just no room for personal preferences. There's too much at stake for these early Christians. They have to be united. They have to be together in purpose in every way. And they're driven by this Christ-centred commitment. They're committed above and over everything else to living out the way of Jesus and telling the love of Jesus. And so we see here in Acts 4 and also in Acts 2, which Dave looked at last week, that when the believers came together, as they pulled their resources, as they shared the good news of Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved and the impact on the spread of the gospel was immense. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was reading this, I thought, I want to see the gospel spread like this amongst my friends and family, in my community, in my city, in my nation. But am I, are you ready to make the sacrifices, to play our part in making this happen? Jesus spoke time and again, didn't he, about not letting money or possessions become more important in your life than God. He spoke of not storing up your treasure on earth, of selling things and giving the money to the poor. And that's so challenging to us because we like our stuff. We like our holidays. We like nice things. But we are at a crunch point in our world. And we can choose to come out of this crisis with different priorities And we can choose to lead the way in a cultural shift. And as the people of God gave their commitment to him, we can lead on this culture shift. The church in Acts and uh, different key moments in history have been marked by how it lives differently. The church has been marked by how it lives differently. And theologian Tim Keller notices this when he looked at the church, the early church. He says this, the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically everybody their body. And the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body and then gave everybody their money. Where can we be different in our generosity? Here at Peas and G's in Edinburgh, we're always astounded by the way you give regularly with such generosity, enabling the ministry of the church in Edinburgh and around the world. And we heard from Kieran earlier about that. And I'm not talking about one or two individuals giving vast amounts of money, but rather hundreds and hundreds of people giving what they can generously. I know too that many of you do that, not because you have a stack of spare cash to give away, 
but you do it in a way that means that you have to make a dis difficult decision about how you cut your cloth every month. As well as our regular giving, one of the ways that we like to give is through our MICA fund. Every year we choose uh, four or five projects in the UK, often here in Scotland, and we pool our resources as a church family so that together we're able to give substantial gifts that make a huge difference to those projects and charities. Over the past six weeks, even in this time of real financial pressures for many, we've been astounded to receive £37,000 in numerous gifts, big and small, to the MICA Fund. And so this means that over the next week or so, we'll be able to send uh, money out to each of the charities that we have committed to support and they will use that money to bring good news, to bring healing, to bring transformation, to show the powerful love of Jesus to people and to communities in this time of real need. We have a generous God and we're called to be a generous church. And so I guess the question is, are each of us up for making this Christ-centred commitment as we move forward as a nation, as a church? Are we ready to live a sacrificial and generous life which speaks so profoundly and powerfully of Jesus' love?